0: Our theme, the first 11 months of this year, was Freedom in Christ. We've covered some of the great freedoms that we have in Christ. I hope that series encouraged you as much as it did me to prepare them and talk about those great themes. Uh, we're closing this year with a series called Naming the Baby. Uh, obviously, it's connected to the what the world is thinking about right now. Uh, everybody's thinking and preparing and celebrating and words and song and pictures and all kinds of things, the birth of Jesus. Uh, we actually have no idea when he was born. Uh, it most certainly wasn't December the 25th, but uh, this is the time that the world tends to concentrate on that. So I think it's a great time to teach about and to celebrate uh, the King of Glory. Our key verse is Isaiah 9-6, and we'll Stay on that all month, so you'll get pretty familiar with it, where God named the baby. Uh, Isaiah prophesies in Isaiah 9-6 that there's going to be a child born. Uh, He said back a couple of chapters earlier that he'd be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. But in this verse, he said his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Last week, we talked about the, the wonderful counselor concept. Uh, we talked about the fact that I think it's, most scholars agree that it's one term. It's not his name is wonderful and his name is counselor. It's wonderful counselor. It's a compound term. Uh, the wonderful part as we talked about means more than anyone could expect. In fact, in the Bible, it's always used for God's actions things that a human couldn't do, way beyond human concepts of the wonderfulness, the marvelous kind of things that God does. And the description for counselor that we looked at uh, meant the kind of counselor that gave strategy, that gave advice, uh, talked to a king and gave him the strategy that he needed to go to war. Good counsel. Well, Jesus' name is Wonderful Counselor. He gives counsel that's beyond what we can expect from anyone else. Wonderful counselor. Today we're going to talk about two names, Mighty God and Everlasting Father. Two names, two very different names, two very different views of the baby in the manger. That's what Isaiah is prophesying about, remember. But he's giving us names. He's telling us what this baby is really going to be. So let's start with the first one, the mighty God. Romans one twenty. Paul tells us that this is a name that everybody knows. Now, you ask the man on the street, uh, if he knows who mighty God is, he might deny it. But Paul says, you look at nature. I read the whole first chapter of Romans, if you will. And what Paul says in there is that there's no excuse for not knowing about God. He says if you look at nature, if you look around, you look at the universe, you look at the creation, you just open your eyes, you'll see two things. You'll see God's eternal power and his divine nature. They're clearly seen. In other words, you look at nature and you can't deny that somebody very powerful had to do this. Couldn't have just happened on its own. Somebody very powerful. And the somebody has to be divine. I mean, there's no way to explain it in any other way. So uh, the power and the divinity, that's mighty God. So... This is a term that, at at the very least, everybody ought to have the concept. But then, of course, the Bible reveals a lot more to us, so we know a whole lot more about it. In John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, John starts out his book, and he starts before time began to try to explain the baby in the manger. That's where he starts. He At the very start of John 1, he says, In the beginning, the Word. Now, the word is a, a Greek term, Lagos. And back then to the philosophers and people of the world, it meant everything that was rational in the universe. Everything that might account for the principle of order and knowledge, Lagos. And so John takes that term. He says, the word, Lagos. In the beginning, it was with God and was God and through him, all things were made. You notice he said, through him. So he talks about Lagos not like a principle of philosophy, but like a person. A personality. In some sense, this Lagos, this rational principle of order and knowledge and everything, was someone. And so John starts there, and he says, in the beginning, he was with God. And he was God, and through him all things were made. And then in John 1.14, he finishes the story. He says, the Word became flesh. It became flesh, and he made his dwelling among us. That's the baby in the manger. That's what John's explaining there in John chapter 1. And lest anybody doubt that Jesus claimed to be that, in John 10.30, Jesus reinforced it. He said, I and the Father are one. He could have said, in the beginning, I was with God. I was God. I created everything. And then I became flesh. I became the baby in the manger. Now, I think we all grasp that concept I debated whether you used this many verses to to explain it because we know Jesus is God. Emmanuel, we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. We know Jesus is God. He became incarnate. But I think this Isaiah 9-6 takes it a little bit further. It's beyond Jesus just being God. The term that Isaiah used was mighty God. Mighty God. When we begin to think about that, we've got a different picture. David asked a great question in Psalm 24.8. He said, Who is this king of glory? He's the Lord strong and mighty. He's the Lord mighty in battle. You see, that's so much different picture. Uh, this gives us a whole different picture from wonderful counselors. Last week, we talked about Wonderful Counselor, and hopefully those of you who here remember some of that, what Wonderful Counselor uh, included. But this week, we have a picture of a mighty God. Let me try to help you here. Wonderful Counselor tells the king the strategy to win the war. Mighty God leads and empowers the troops. Mighty God goes to battle with you. That's different than wonderful counselor. Today, wonderful counselor, the wonderful counselor that we have gives us advice. He tells us our tactics for the messes that we get in. He tells us how to stay out of them, and then once we mess up and get in them by ignoring him, he tells us how to get out of them. He's a wonderful counselor. That's what he does. But mighty God fights side by side with us to slay the enemy. It's a big difference. Take out your song books. I'm not going to lead a song. Fear not. Turn to number 10, please. You'll notice this is an old, old song. You'll notice that Martin Luther wrote it. This is an example of what we mean when we say old hymns had some theology in them. When we talk about the, the power that's in old hymns, this is one you can turn to. A lot of theology in this song. Look at verse 2. Martin Luther wrote this. Did we in our own strength confide our striving would be losing? We're not the right one on our side the man of God's own choosing. Dost ask who that may be? Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord Sabaoth is his name. From age to age the same, and he must win the battle. Now there's a word in there that you may not have noticed as you sing. You may have just sung that Lord Sabbath. It's not Lord Sabbath. Lord Sabaoth. Totally only different word than the Sabbath. Day doesn't mean anything the same. Sabaoth is the hosts of heaven, it's the armies of heaven. And Lord Sabaoth is the commander of those armies. Martin Luther's telling us if we tried to fight this battle on our own, our striving would be losing. We're not the right one on our side. The one of God's own choosing. And and do you ask who that is? Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord Sabaoth is his name. He'll win the battle. And that's a lot different picture. That's, That's mighty God we're talking about now. Not talking about wonderful counselor anymore. He gives us great advice. He gives us wonderful counsel. But mighty God is Lord Sabaoth the commander of the host, the commander of the armies. In 2 Kings 6, Elisha's servant looked out and saw all the armies arrayed against them. He was scared to death. And Elisha said, Lord, open his eyes. Open his eyes, let him see. And his eyes were open, and what did he see? He saw horses and chariots of fire. He saw the soldiers from heaven. He He saw the Sabaoth. He said, "Mighty God's working here. Everything's going to be all right." Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as they were called in their Babylonian home, listened to the wonderful counselor. The wonderful counselor told them, "You don't eat meat that's been sacrificed to idols." And so Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael said, "All right, we won't." They refused. Well, following that wonderful counsel resulted in persecution. They listened to the wonderful counselor. They refused. Then the king said, you're going in the fire. And their reply was, the God we serve is able to get us out. They weren't talking about wonderful counselor. They were talking about mighty God. You throw us in there, okay, mighty God will get us out the king threw them in. one, two, three. Waited a while, looked in the window, one, two, three, four. That fourth one looks like the son of God. Mighty God went to battle with them. That's mighty God we're talking about. If the Philistines had spies back in Gideon's day, they would have snuck up on the camp and counted. There's the commander Gideon and there's 300 more. 301. No problem. No problem at all. But the rest of the equation was 301 plus mighty God plus Sabaoth. And when the day was over, they had dealt with Lord Zabiah. Mighty God had dealt with Gideon. That's who we're talking about. Moses. Moses, you read his whole story. We spent a lot of time one Sunday night, Sunday evenings, one year talking about Moses and his details of his life. He had, remember he had so many discussions with wonderful counselor. Wonderful counselor told him over and over, here's what you're going to do. Here's the plan. Remember Moses? <laughs> Not me. No, I don't want to do that. Go see Pharaoh? Tell him what? you got to be kidding. Moses didn't agree with a lot of it. He argued. He questioned over and over. In the middle of it, sometimes he, remember, he stopped God and he said, this isn't working. So he he talked with Wonderful Counselor a lot. But when the time came, when the battle started between Mighty God and the demonic gods of Egypt, we saw who Mighty God was. Then Mighty God was helping Moses. But when the gods of Egypt refused to surrender, Mighty God threw down on them one at a time. Nile God, your blood. Sky God, I'll show you thunder and hail. Frog God, here's some frogs for you. Sun God, how about I turn you off for a little while? The mighty God took care of it. And finally, Pharaoh had to cancel the war because he had 50,000 funerals to go to. Mighty God showed him who Mighty God was. And then we know the story a little while later. He changed his mind, and Mighty God said, All right, you want more? Bring it on. River God, stop. Come ahead. River God, start. Game over. A wonderful Counselor and Mighty God are different. We call him one mighty God. We call him Wonderful Counselor. Sometimes we need Wonderful Counselor. Sometimes we need Mighty God. This morning you sang songs, Jesus, name above all names. There's something about that name. Glorify thy name. Song after song about name. And if all that you had in your head was Jesus, you need to be listening this month. His name is so much more than that. And when we sing those songs, it's important to whom you are singing. I think it depends on your week. I think it depends on what's been going on in your life, who you're singing to. Sometimes you're glorifying and praising and honoring wonderful counselor. Your counsel saved me from trouble. Your counsel got me out of trouble this week. And sometimes I think we're singing and praising and glorifying the mighty God for fighting side by side with us. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, any of the other names that God chose when He named that baby. That's who we sing to. Now, let's consider Everlasting Father for a moment. Everlasting, that's pretty easy, pretty basic. That's before time. That's above time. That's beyond time. It's perpetual. He said, I'm everlasting. Not long-lasting. Everlasting. And we know that about God. He's eternal. We understand that concept. John eight fifty eight. Jesus said this. He said, before Abraham was... I am. Any English teachers in here? How's the grammar on that work out? Before Abraham was, I am. See, the grammar is horrible. Unless, unless you are the everlasting. If you're the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, then it makes sense. And Jesus said, That's who I am. I'm the everlasting. I'm the everlasting father now father uh, this would should be one of the easiest in a perfect world uh, this should be one that's easy for us to grasp but sometimes it's the hardest because so many of us either had or have uh, less than perfect fathers and so that clouds our vision that uh, that obscures what he's trying to tell us here. Uh, If we had a great father, we still don't have a perfect father, but the the more great we had, the, the more we understand this concept. Sometimes I think it helps for all of us who didn't have a perfect father to think of it like this. Think of it as adopted children. He chose us. We're adopted children. He's our father that way. I read of a family one time. They were wonderfully mixed. They had, were mixed in lots of ways. But one way, that was they had one biological son, and then all the rest of the kids were adopted. And so their practice was that at the right time, they would sit down and explain to the youngest child what it meant to be adopted. They explained that whole concept to them. And they'd explain how that child had been chosen, had been waited for, and they'd welcomed him home with joy and all of that. And as part of the story, they would explain, of course, that Mark, the brother, was their biological child. So their youngest child came time for that explanation. They sat down and did all the explaining. When they had finally explained what all adoption meant... The young boy cried out, oh, that's cool. Can't we adopt Mark, too? <laughs> uh, maybe that helps us to think about being an adopted child. If you have father wounds, I'm, I'm sorry, and you may have to work more to appreciate this name. But remember this always. God himself said of Jesus, He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. You can read that poem that I put on the handout if you want to. It's a poem really made up of scriptures. It's To My Child from Everlasting Father. Uh, Maybe you can read that and it will help you understand what Father means to God. I want to close with a story that most of you have heard before. Uh, I didn't go back and check all the records, but I think I probably dusted off every two or three years uh, because it's really it just pictures so well us an everlasting father. and The relationship that he wants with us and has with us. Uh, Mrs. Blair tells the story. She worked at a Orphanage Adoption Agency, she tells it this way. She says, I remember the first time I saw Freddie. His boarding mother brought him in and showed him to me, and I thought, what a beautiful baby. And as I looked at this baby that was 10 months old with a dark mop of hair, the boarding mother said, can you find a family for Freddie. And then I saw it. Freddie had been born without arms. But the boarding mother went on and told me, he's so smart. He's ten months old and he's already walking and he's already saying some words. And when I'd finished the interview process and all that, I went upstairs and I got out my hard-to-place list. And I filled out all the details about Freddie. Freddie's a ten-month-old Protestant boy. Brown eyes, dark brown hair, fair skin. Freddie was born without arms, but seems to otherwise be in good health. His boarding mother says he's showing superior intelligence. His natural mother has given up all rights, and he's ready for adoption. And I closed the book, and I thought, he's ready, but who's ready for him? And it always went the same way. Young couples always want the same thing. They want a baby as close to like them as they can. They want them as young as possible, and they want them without any medical problems. So we went through a lot of interviews, and summer turned to fall, and fall turned to winter. Freddie spent his first birthday with us. Then I got the note in the inbox about a new home evaluation I was supposed to go do. Frances and Edwin Pearson. She was 41. He was 45. She was a housewife. He was a truck driver. and They wanted to adopt. I went to their house. It was a tiny white frame house with a big yard and big trees. They greeted me at the door. They were eager, but they were scared to death. They took me in. Mrs. Pearson had made... Hot coffee and oven baked cookies. They sat on the sofa before me holding hands. They said, Today's our wedding anniversary. We've been married 18 years. Mr. Pearson said 18 good years. Good years, except, well, it's too neat around here. We tried everything. We tried all the medical things, we had all the tests, all the examinations. One agency finally told us our house was our apartment was too small, so we got this house. We decided to try one more time. Somebody told us about you and we called. Mrs. Pearson looked over to Mrs. Bailey and said, Can we choose it all? Well, we'd like a boy for my husband. Mrs. Bailey said, Well, we'll we'll try for a boy. What kind of boy? I said, Well, all boys are boys. She said, My husband's very athletic, so he was great in football and basketball and track, and he'd be good for a boy. Could you give us any idea how long this might take? Mrs. Bailey hesitated and they said, We we don't have much money saved up. We got a lot of love saved up, but we don't have much money saved up. Finally, Mrs. Bailey said, Well, there is one little boy. He's 13 months old. She said, I have a picture of him. And she pulled out a picture of Freddie. And as she handed it to them, she said, He's a wonderful little boy, but he was born without arms. And they studied the picture in silence. Edwin looked over and said, What do you think, friend? Mrs. Pearson said, Kickball. (laughs) You could teach him kickball. He said, Yeah, you don't need arms for that. He said, You need a head. You need a head for everything. We'll save up for college. But you don't need arms. Athletics aren't so important. He just needs to play and you can you can teach him things mrs pearson said mr pearson said i'll teach you and they went on and on they had forgotten me mrs bailey said i finally said you'd like to see him and they said when could we have him she said do you think you might might want him Mrs. pearson said might might we want him. I said, Well, his name is Freddie, but you can change it. She said, No, Frederick Pearson. That that works. That's good. And that was it. Well, there were formalities and papers to fill out, and it took a while before we got all the papers done, and it was finally about Christmas time when the Pearsons came to pick up Freddie. I ushered them into one room and I went into the next room to get Freddie from his boarding mother. His boarding mother had dressed him up in a new white shirt with holly and berries on the collar. And she handed him to me, and Freddie said to me, Going home. The boarding mother said, I told him that. I told him he's going to his new home. he's such a good boy and as she took Freddie from his boarding mother he said good boy going home I carried him over to the door where his parents, new parents, were waiting and I set him on the floor and I opened the door and I said Merry Christmas Freddie stood uncertainly kinda rocking a little bit gazing at these two new people then Mr. Pearson knelt down on one knee and he said "Freddie." Come to Daddy. Freddie looked back at me for just a moment. And then he walked slowly toward them and they reached out their arms. And they gathered him in. What a rich verse we're reading. What a rich verse we're considering. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And his name is shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Next week, we'll talk about Prince of Peace. If you're here this morning and need to respond to the Everlasting Father, he wants to adopt you. He wanted to adopt you from the beginning, no matter what you're like. If you need to come, come. We'll stay